Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but this is actually our season finale. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're wrapping up season two. I feel like it just started. Uh, but then again, doesn't this whole year just feel like, oh, my God, what what happened? Where are we? What day is this? I have no idea. So anyway, y'all, yeah, this is our season finale, and I think we are wrapping it up with an amazing episode. We're actually going to be talking to Mark Russell, who you probably know as Better Wallet on Instagram. Mark is a financial advisor and creator of the personal finance Instagram account Better Wallet. When we recorded this episode, he had around 30,000 followers. He's now amassed over 50,000 followers since recording this episode by providing no-nonsense financial advice and sharing his amazing journey of paying off $80,000 worth of debt in three years. He's passionate about educating people of color about the importance of building generational wealth, avoiding lifestyle creep and debt, and investing. He's been featured in Next Advisor, and I'm so excited to have Mark here. His story is quite the story. He has a really, really impactful life story that's really going to inspire you to you know, believe that you can actually overcome anything that life throws your way. So I can't wait to hop into this episode. Before we hop into today's episode, I don't want you guys to be sad just because season two is over. We're going to be doing an amazing series during the month of December, replaying all of our favorite episodes about FIRE or financial independence and early retirement. So definitely stick around for that. You're going to get to hear guests that were on the show early on in the season. Maybe you haven't already listened to their episode and you're going to get to learn all about this topic that really I'm truly obsessed with, which is a concept of financial independence and early retirement. So definitely stick around for that. We're going to be setting ourselves up for success in 2021. And the first step is educating ourselves on the possibility that exists of you becoming completely financially independent and not having to work if you don't want to. I mean, I think that sounds pretty damn good to me. 
So definitely stick around for that. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, we're going to be doing a series of awesome IG lives for you to learn all about things like investing in individual stocks, how to travel hack to save money, and more. So if you don't already follow us on Instagram, what the hell are you waiting for? Go and follow us at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. If you want more free content, more education, and more inspiration, go to our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can find episode show notes along with personal finance articles and tips to help you get your money right. And as always, if you're loving this podcast, please make sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe so that listeners like you can find us too and so you never miss an episode. All right, Mark, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to talk to you. Not a problem at all. Excited to be here. Yeah, so I discovered you on Instagram. You have an amazing platform that you actually shared uh, your debt payoff journey, and we're going to get into all of that. So why don't you start off by introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mark Russell. I'm uh, the the owner of Better Wallet. Um, And a little bit about me, I came from very humble beginnings um, from central Pennsylvania, um, you know, I went through adoption care, both my foster or I'm sorry, both of my, both of my biological parents were, um, you know, in the drug scene, um, thus foster care, um, was adopted at 13, uh, put myself through college and kind of weaseled my way into the finance world, uh, and learned a lot along the way, uh, about managing my own money and then also managing others, um, as it relates to investing and budgeting and so much and so forth. Um, wow. You know, became a stockbroker um, at the Vanguard Group, which everyone knows and loves nowadays. But when I was coming into Vanguard, uh, you know, they were trying to be a, a larger player in the space, and now they're, a, you know, four, maybe going on five trillion dollar company. Uh, so I was able to work through the the ranks there, and you know, eventually moved off of uh, Vanguard and went into the private equity space, and then I became a financial advisor. And then I look back and I was like, wow, like I've learned a lot, but I know there's a lot of people from where I'm from that don't understand, you know, what a 401k or IRA is, or, you know, what a trust fund is. How about I teach others what I've learned from A to Z, from foster care to manage my own money to, you know, working with their private, private equity. Um, so I, I launched Better Wallet. And, um, you know, when I, when I first started, I was like, who's going to actually listen to me talk about finance? Like who, mm-hmm. who cares that much about finance? Like, like I do. And, you know, you go from one like to one follower to, um, you know, a hundred followers to a thousand and, and it keeps going from there. And what I've realized is that there's a lot of people out there that are looking for that information. They want to understand their finances more. So it was very no- noble work. And, you know, I try every day to, you know, take what I've learned and, and pass it on to others and collect feedback and iterate as I go. So it's been a, a fun, I guess it's almost a year and a half at this point going on this bear wallet journey. And, um, you know, I've learned a lot um, along the way and, you know, I'm looking forward to the next, you know, year and a half, five year, 10 years uh, of this, um, of this business, I guess it is now. Yeah, that's amazing. So you've gone in a year and a half to almost 30,000 followers which is amazing. So that definitely speaks to the fact that you are talking about things that resonate with people. And I know me personally, when I found you on Instagram, I just really connected with all of the stuff you were posting. I feel like we were going back and forth, like just liking each other's posts. And I'm like, I got to talk to this guy because he's doing amazing stuff. So I really appreciate you being in this space. And I love that you are sharing all of this knowledge that you've built up over time and over your career with a community that you know very well has been historically disenfranchised and has been completely ignored, yeah. for lack of a better word, <laughs> by the financial industry, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've learned over time that the, the people that I was dealing with were, you know, frankly, white men. And, and I realized that, Hey, like, you know, they're getting all this financial advice, but do they actually need it? Where I'm from, you know, if, if someone had, you know, another 20 bucks or another, sometimes 10 bucks to feed their, you know, themselves or their kids, you know, that meant the world, that would mean the world to them. So, um, and at a certain point, you know, I was just thinking through how to go about passing that information on without charging, 
um, mm-hmm. and you know Instagram and you know Facebook and all the other social platforms um, allowed me to have a platform in order to do that, uh, which is which is great. Um, so um, it, it's great to you know talk to people and say, hey, like you know, here's how to build a budget, and this is what it looks like. Um, mm-hmm. or this is how you calculate variable expenses or whatever it might be. Cause this is how the big businesses do it, you know, at a more grand scale. Uh, but you could do it just like them in order to, you know, achieve financial uh, security and, and financial wealth. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. The, I think that's the thing. The, if you don't know about these topics, if you're not literate in financial, you know, information, it's, going to be impossible for you to implement this stuff in your life. So just knowledge is power. And I really appreciate what you're doing. So I want to get to know more about you and your own money story. This is a question that I asked to all of my guests, because I feel like, you know, as people of color, we definitely have very interesting relationships with money. And um, I think it definitely helps us connect when we learn each other's stories. So can you talk about your relationship with money? Like, what was that like growing up? Yeah, yeah. So um, where do I begin? Well, I, as I mentioned, I went through foster care. I was eventually adopted by a family at the age of, uh, you know, 13. And luckily, you know, my first time having a biological father, or I'm sorry, an adopted father, uh, he was a great one. Um, you know, he went through the military, he grew up poor. Um, and he was definitely still lower class or, um, lower income class, Um, and you know, what he has always told me was, Hey, like you need to make your own money because I'm not going to be here forever. (laughs) And he was really, you know, um, upfront about that and uh, a little bit more context. So I was the, um, only brother uh, or the only son of the, of the family. Thus the reason why he adopted me because we had five other, uh, siblings, um, and they were all girls and he was like, Oh, I want like a boy. And my, my mom, and my dad couldn't have a boy because, you know, God's plans. And he was like, well, I'm just going to adopt one. So here comes me. Um, and he always taught me, Hey, like, you know, make your own money, cut grass, you know, cut hair, do landscaping, whatever it might be, wash cars, shovel walks, whatever it is to have money in your pocket. So you don't have to ask anyone for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from a young age, he taught me how to be an entrepreneur. He, you know, helped me save up my my first dollars in order to get my own um, push lawnmower, which was great because I owned a, a business asset, right? Um, and it it was funny because I was that kid that would save all my money. I would, you know, I would have all my money kind of stashed underneath my um, underneath my mattress, and you know, I I would love just to, frankly, I would just love to look at it and be like, man, like this is cool, like. I have money. I could do a lot with this. I could buy a new pair of shoes. Like back when FUBU was cool, I was like, man, I could buy uh, my new a uh, new pair of FUBUs and just be like everyone else. Um, and you know that that is the reason why I I, I work so hard is because you know no one in my area really had money in in general. We all were mm-hmm. you know relatively poor. We look forward to playing basketball on the basketball courts, and you know there was no such thing as someone, you know, growing up rich in my town. It just wasn't a thing. Um, but yeah, my, my, um, association with money was that like, I always knew how to generate it. I knew how to save it. I didn't know anything about investing growing up, nor did my parents. You know, I didn't learn about 401k until I started working for Vanguard. And I was like, Oh, this is a thing. Yeah. People have to retire. Oh, okay. I get it. Um, so, you know, like growing up, it was, it was like that. And when I went off to college, <laughs> I always thought that, Hey, like when you go off to college, like someone's going to pay for it. Like you can't, you know, like you'll go there and you know, someone will just hand you $20,000 and that could have been further from the, from the Wouldn't truth. That be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was naive, you know, coming from a small town, I just didn't really know any better. Um, and you know, my mom told me, uh, Hey, like if you're going to go off to school, you're going to pay for it yourself. Um, which, you know, again, tough love, you know, she's, she's great, but you know, she was definitely hard on me. And, um, you know, I would, I was finding myself in the student aid office every semester, just Mm -hmm. begging, literally begging for money saying, Hey, my grades are great. 
give me money. <laughs> like, and they knew me by my first and last name. And they knew what the, the deal was when I stepped into the office. I need money. I'm going to graduate in four years and you're going to make me make me uh, make it happen. Um, so I, I realized that, you know, that was more of a more of a dream than than what it actually was. And I found myself working different jobs in order to uh, pay for school. I became a RA, a resident assistant, where I was in charge of uh, about 50 kids, freshmen. Um, I, I say kids, but they were only like maybe three or two or three years younger than me. Um, so I was an RA. Um, I sold plasma, blood plasma to eat. Um, you know, I was a referee. Literally, I did anything to put money in my pocket and to pay off, um, pay off school. Um, at the same time, I was applying for scholarships, grants, loans, whatever it might be um, to, to get through. And, you know, after four years, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to say, hey, like I graduated from um, I went to Penn State um, to say I graduated from this institution. But no one knew how much went into just grinding every single day to make sure I have food, um, to, to make sure I could pay for tuition, to make sure I could pay for for housing. Um, and what also complicated that was um, at the end of my freshman year, my um, my dad actually passed away. The guy I was just telling you about. Um, yeah. And that was, that was hard because I, as I mentioned, I'd never had like a father before. So, you know, to have him in my life for, you know, what, five, six short years and have him pass away, like literally bef- before my eyes was, was a lot, but that, you know, not to shout out to Philadelphia, not to go from uh, the mentioned boys to men, but I went from a boy to a man overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn how to manage my own money. I, I had to implement what he said before and saying that, hey, like, I'm not going to be here forever. Um, so that made me, it just put everything on on overdrive. Um, so I eventually graduated and because I was really good at saving money and, and generating money, Obviously, I did really well in the financial space. Um, so, you know, moving through the ranks at Vanguard, where they taught me the the basics of investing, and I, I think Vanguard does a really good job just putting things in layman's terms and making it really simple for the client and doing everything for the client. Um, it, it taught me about asset allocation, make sure you can control what you can control, and they just made it really. Uh, simple and, and straightforward. And what I try to do is not only implement that in my own personal finance, but also teach people, hey, like it's more simple than what you think it is. You know, I want you to understand what a trust fund is so you could pass wealth down to your family uh, or the, to the next generation. I want you to open up a 529 plan so your kid doesn't have to go through what I went through. I want you to open up a brokerage account in order to start investing so you could take advantage of what's happening with Tesla or Apple or whoever, the, whatever the stock might be. Um, and I think over time, those small chips will, um, you know, have our, our people specifically investing more, understanding finances more, and thus they're able to pass that education down to their children. Uh, so maybe if we're not millionaires and we're not billionaires, they're sure to hell going to be billionaires and billionaires because they don't have a choice. I know <laughs> because, that's right. <laughs> so, so that's, that's my, my end goal. Um, if I don't meet or if I don't, if I don't, um, you know, make it to a million, I want my kids to start off, you know, pretty high up and I want them to understand that, you know, it's reachable for them. I, I love like you and I are on this same wavelength where, you know, building wealth is a revolutionary thing for people of color. And I think, you know, when we see what's going on in the world just yesterday with the announcement of yet another police killing of a black woman in her home this time, she's sleeping, like we're not even safe at home. It's like, it's very easy to get into a headspace that it just feels like, what's the point? I think when you focus on the future generations and the power that we have to just be in control of our financial situation, because let's be honest, money is power in this country. And without it, like we are very limited in what we can do for ourselves, for our families. We got to focus on the long-term game, the same way they talk about just, you know, long-term investing, we are investing for a greater purpose. And it's important to remember that when you think about what is the point of building wealth. 
Yeah, we, we definitely need to um, rebel through um, education and knowledge. Um, you know, if you kind of think back to um, prior generations, that's what they did. You know, they would go out and they would try to learn as much as possible uh, to yeah. become more well-rounded in order to invest more um, in order to pass that down to, to the next generation. And we're, we're doing that, but I would say we're, we're trying to put down overdrive um, yes. because we need to catch up. I mean, you know, specifically for the, you know, the black population, we're years and years and years behind, you know, you know, uh, the others have had a, you know, multi hundred year, a multi-century uh, head start. And at least for me, you know, my both my parents were uh, born and raised in the South um, in segregated schools. And, wow. you know, they couldn't go off to college because my dad was from Alabama. Like, what were his choices? You know, the University of Alabama, Alabama like maybe Alabama State because of HBCU. But other than that, you don't really you know, like you're not going to go to Auburn. Right. Like the chances of you getting killed there is pretty high. Um, back in the you know in the what the 60s 70s so mm-hmm. we're really the first at least for me like the first generation that can say hey i wasn't born into segregation so yeah. i always talk to my peers who are all white and i tell them hey like i'm not i don't want to catch up to you like i i consider it a loss if i catch up to you by the time i die my goal is to catch up to where your grandparents were at and I want to make sure that when my kids are born, they're light years beyond your kids. You can call it a competition and you like you might get upset at what I'm telling you. But like I, I foresee my children going beyond you and I want my people and the people of color to be beyond where your people are at. Because yeah. you guys have said this, like they, they always call me, they call me Malcolm X because <laughs> I, I'm always just educating them and saying, hey, like, you know, we we're light years behind. And we're going to catch up and I'm going to lead that charge. Um, mm. And gratefully, they're, they are receptive to that message. And a lot of them um, have learned from some of my teachings and saying, hey, like, I want to be part of that change as well. Um, a lot of them have had conversations with me just saying, hey, how can I be part of the, the solution from, you know, joining big brothers, big sisters and becoming a big to donating to some of the societies to even just having a conversation like, Hey, like what, what did Deshaun Jackson mean by X? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, let's have this conversation. So they, they're more open-minded. Um, but yeah, just to kind of sum it up, you know, the, the goal is to, to pass them and, you know, for us, you know, our gener or next generation to be what they hope to be, um, and what they hope their kids to be. Um, so, it's it's not just reaching where they're at right now. I love that. All right. So one of the things that you talked about on your platform and you recently celebrated was becoming debt free. So you paid off $80,000 of debt in three years, which is mind blowing. So I want to get into how you got into the debt. I'm assuming a big part of that was your student loan debt. Um, and then what strategies did you actually put in place to pay off this debt? Yeah, yeah. So I would say when I first graduated in 2012, um, I realized that, you know, I I was in the financial, um, I was in the financial services space, you know, I was making good money, but I was also spending a lot. Um, The bad thing about going to Penn State is that it's a major party school. And, you know, though I was, you know, working a lot of the time, I was also having a lot of fun, which, you know, four years of, of your life, I, I would definitely encourage that. Um, but, you know, it, I came out of school and I had, you know, debt. I had credit cards that I used to either party and or, or to go and pay for books. Um, so I would say, you know, coming out 2012, analyzing what I call my budget, which was nothing even close to what I have now. I was just like, wow, like I'm spending as much as I'm getting. This is bad mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be, you know, a millionaire when I you know, first start making all this money. You know, I didn't know. I think I started off at like $50,000. I didn't like, I, I don't know of anyone who had $50,000 growing up. You know, that, you know, that was rich in my, in my town and how I grew up. Um, so I started, I started thinking through, okay, like I need to start paying this debt down, but 
of course it took me a, a few years to get to that point. You know, it's not overnight. You know, I wasn't at a point where I was just like, oh, well, tomorrow I'm going to start doing this. It was mm-hmm. a multi-year process to get my head in order. Um, frankly, so what did it, that look like? Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of me trying to cut back on spending, going out, like going out to restaurants, uh, traveling to certain places. I was still going back to Penn State um, in order to you know hang out with friends that are currently there. Um, and then over time, I would say it, it took until about 2016, 2017 to really get my my act in order. Um, you know, I, I filled out my first real budget, I would say. I tracked every dollar that I spent throughout the month and created a budget. And then from there, I started making certain tweaks uh, to my budget in order to make sure that I had enough money at the end of the day in order to start paying down debt. Uh, the tweaks that I made, um, you know, my car insurance was too high. You know, I, I cut that in, well, pretty much in half um, initially. Um, my phone bill was $150. And I was just like, why is this? And it's because mm-hmm. I was I was leasing a phone from Apple. Um, 18, no, I had, uh, yeah, AT&T at the time. I went to uh, Straight Talk um, and, you know, friends make fun of me. Hey, you have Straight Talk. Like, are you poor? I'm like, no, I just spent my money, right? Um, it's like, we have, we have AT&T and Verizon. I'm just like, how much are you paying for that? I bet I pay a third of the price. Um, so is that, um, you know, I eventually pay off my car. I stopped going shopping for clothes. Yeah, I was very cognizant on how much I was spending on food and going out. Um, and from there I was able to to tweak my budget to have, you know, some discretionary money at the end. And I started using that money to pay off whatever I wanted to pay off at the time. Um, initially it was my car. Uh, so eventually I paid off my car and then I had another $340 left over. And then I used that. It, it was more of a, uh, an avalanche in a way where I paid off my car. And then next thing you know, I was like, okay, I need to pay off my credit cards, pay off my credit cards. And I had all this money left over every month. And I was like, okay, I need to start putting this towards um, my student loans. And luckily, I was able to use a couple of bonuses from work um, and all the money I had saved up um, in order to pay off my student loans in, in July. Um, what worked out was, unfortunately, the, the, um, the, uh, the quarantine and COVID uh, because I wasn't spending as much throughout the, the beginning of this year. Um, and then also, um, I didn't have to make my student loan payments. Um, so I was like, okay, or more so that I didn't have to pay interest on the student loan payment. So I was like, okay, I'm going to save up all this money and then I'm going to apply it to my student loans. So when July rolled around, I was able to, um, put down a pretty hefty, um, amount on my student loans and now I'm, I'm debt free. Totally. That is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. One of the things I want to ask you about, because I feel like we all have like this light bulb moment that makes us change the way that we're dealing with money or just the relationship that we have with it. So can you think about your light bulb moment? Like, was there a specific thing that made you say like, okay, what I'm doing right now, this is just not a vibe anymore. I need to change. Yeah. I would say when I started um, looking at all of my variable expenses mm-hmm. and calculated how much that was. Like I, I joke about it on my blog where I'm like, yeah, like when you first do a budget, first calculate how much of your variable expense, like just variable expenses, just look at that, look at your fixed expenses. And then you start crying, like step number two, start crying when you realize how much money you blow. That was my literal experience. Literally, that, that was my experience to the T. I just remember I was sitting at the, in a park in Philadelphia and I was just going and adding up in my in my phone. And I was like, wow, I really spent a grand, a thousand bucks over a course of a month from restaurants to going out to, um, you know, to drink with friends, to Ubers, whatever it might be. And I spend a thousand dollars. What if I what if I didn't spend three hundred of that? Or maybe if I only spent maybe two hundred dollars per month, 
I can apply that other 800 to my loans. And I started looking at the math and I just remember like running back home and just doing the math on my computer. And I was like, if I use that money in order to pay down debt every single month, I'll be debt free by 2020. Wow. And I was just like, let's do it. Cause I was like, I mean, it was perfect. I'm a numbers person. So I was like, all right, 2020, I'll be 30 uh, years old, you know, 20 debt free by 30. Like, let's do it. And yeah. You know, then I started just making small tweaks everywhere in my in my life. You know, I I changed how I commuted to work. I changed what I was taking to work to for lunch. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped getting my hair cut. Like it was all types of you know different tweaks. Um, I, I should mention I was a barber, uh, so I, I knew how to cut my own hair. Oh, okay. I don't I don't encourage that to anyone. <laughs> uh, but you know, I knew how to cut my own hair. Um, and I was like, why am I paying for this? And mm-hmm. as I started making those small tweaks, I started having more and more money that I could use to pay off uh, off of debt. But the light bulb moment was definitely that when I realized how much money I was blowing, and then on top of that, how how I could have saved that money in order to pay out debt. Um, I like, honestly, my, my goal was June 19th, uh, 2020. Cause that was my 30th birthday. Um, mm-hmm. but it got pushed back because I had to pay for a couple things for, for my mom. Um, but other than that, like, uh, it's, it was a blessing to, to say that, you know, I'm debt free. Um, that's major. Yeah, and it, what makes that day even more important is that was the uh, the day that my dad passed, you know, eleven oh, wow. years ago. Um, so, so I the always, day that you became debt free was day this, of your dad's passing. Yep, July seventeenth of two thousand and nine is when he passed, and July seventeenth of twenty twenty is when I uh, became debt free. So, um, yeah, so it's a it's a special day. Um, you know it. The day you got wings, and the and the day I got my wings to escape debt. So, oh my gosh, I love that! I have goosebumps. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a fun journey. Like I, I always look back, and you know, people are just like, "Oh, you must be, you know, clinically insane for what you had to go through." And hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Frankly, I, I just laugh because um, I, I look at it as, you know, a journey that I can, you know, leverage to teach other people that, hey, anything is possible. You know, if I can get to where I'm at today, you can get to where you want to be into the future. 
there should be nothing holding you back. Um, so I'm happy I could leverage my platform to, to do that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. So I have some questions around investing because obviously you're someone who's very familiar with the space, but mm -hmm. investing is not something that many black and brown people even do. And if they even are thinking about doing, they're just like really scared about it. They don't know where to start. So can you just give us a little bit of advice for anybody who is on the fence about investing, maybe because they're like the first one in their family to even start thinking about this, like yeah. what are some steps they can take to start getting more comfortable with the idea and put things into place to start investing? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, a really good point. Um, you know, I, I would start off by, honestly, I, I used to say, hey, like go, go online and look up Investopedia. But I honestly think the best step is just to get exposure to how easy it is um and how other people are, are doing it and they're totally fine i i think that might be the, the first step um okay. you know look at the insta the instagram pages um that focus on finance literally just type in hashtag finance or hashtag investing and just follow that um okay. you know you look through your phone more than you look at tv uh nowadays so you know that's a good way of getting exposure yeah, outside of watching Bloomberg on, on TV, like just do that. It's way more fun. Um, <laughs> and you'll, you'll hear people talk, talk about stocks and bonds and, you know, the, the Teslas and the apples of the world and, you know, Netflix and, and all that. And then I would say over time, you'll be used to the, 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 the wording and, and the nomenclature that they're using. Um, and then I would say, you know, as you feel comfortable, you know, start, you know, taking the steps to invest. Obviously you want to invest after you, um, you know, you, you pay off debt. Um, I would say high interest debt. Um, you want to start investing when you have um, an emergency fund, normally about three to six months of your variable and fixed expenses that you have stashed to the side um, because, you know, you never know what would happen. I think COVID was a good example for a lot of folks that, you know, you, you, your job isn't guaranteed. Um, mm -hmm. your income source isn't guaranteed. So I would say that that's step number two. And step number three is, you know, start, you know, investing. It's really simple. Over the years, um, uh, the vanguards and fidelities and the swabs of the world, you know, they've gotten really good with lowering their minimum. So back in the day, it was, you know, you had to have 3000 or $5,000 in order to invest in these funds. Um, and then they, they charge a ridiculous amount in order for you to even have them on the platform. Nowadays, a lot of it's free. Frankly, the way that the financial industry is moving, um, I wouldn't be surprised if all funds are free into the future. Um, so how will they make money? Because I'm always curious about that. How would they make money? They, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm lending finance secrets out, but <laughs> <laughs> they cross-sell other products, right? So wow. if you think about the, the classic example is if you go to mcdonald's and they're selling something on the um you know the dollar menu they lose money you know they call it they call it a, um uh, forgetting the actual term a, a loss leader they lose money on a dollar menu but most people don't go to mcdonald's and just buy something from the dollar menu right they're gonna go and they're gonna get that you know uh small fry but they're also gonna get that double quarter pounder with cheese meal right so like they're gonna get both and they're making a profit off of the double quarter pounder with cheese meal. But the way that the carrot on the end of the stick is that dollar menu, right? So the mm -hmm. same thing goes for Fidelity and, and Vanguard and, and so much and so forth is for you to get used to their products through not charging for their investments. And then they say, hey, uh, you just left that company. Have you thought about bringing your 401k to my company? And, you know, they make money off of, of those fees um, or they'll cross sell. Hey, like we have an advisor that you can work with. It's only some, um, you know, uh, uh, 1% of your total amount that you have with us. Or they'll okay. cross sell other products that are a little bit more expensive in order to make up for that. Right. So the name of the game in the finance world is assets under management by any means possible, mm -hmm. um, even if they have to give things away for free. So that that's, sense. yeah, so that's, that's a secret. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're investing for the first time, you know, after you pay down high interest debt, um, after you, um, 
after you have an emergency fund set up for you and your family, start investing. Uh, you can go through um, an app um, like Fidelity or, or Vanguard. I keep using them as examples. Hopefully, they sent me money for this. But <laughs> you know, you can go there. It's really easy to set it up. The same amount of time it will take you to set uh, set up an Instagram or a Facebook account, you could set up. Um, you could set up a Fidelity or, or Vanguard brokerage account. Uh, they make it really simple. And if you don't know what you're doing at any time, you can call into uh, their, you know, their contact team and they can walk you through it. A lot of them are licensed. They've been through it a thousand and one times. And any question that you ask, they've probably have heard it a million to 10 times. How do I know? Because I was, I was one of those people before <laughs> answering those questions. It was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the reasons on why I stay in the finance world, um, mm-hmm. I get to deal with people like that. Um, but yeah, so you, they'll, you'll, they'll walk you through the process or you'll just go through the process online and, you know, take, you know, 30, 40 bucks and, and put yourself into a stock and just see how it goes. You know, a lot of times when we're learning things, it's trial and error. Um, you know, I started learning investing. Um, I, I bought my first stock. Um, I bought my first Apple stock back in 2010. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know anything about Apple or their financials or how well they're going to do. I just knew that I had an Apple phone and I thought it was cool. And I wanted to own a quote unquote part of the company. Um, That's so how it starts for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, you know, it went from that to where I'm at today and, you know, investing anytime that I get, you know, a, a new dollar, I'm like, how can I invest it? Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, start off with one stock, one mutual fund, one ETF or um, exchange traded fund, which is, nothing but a, a bucket of stocks that allow you to be more diversified and tend to be a little bit more cheaper. Um, and then just kind of ride it out. Don't sell out, um, stay in it uh, for a little bit. And then as you feel more comfortable, start adding more money into it. Um, you know, you don't have to start off with $10,000 and, you know, think that it's going to grow a lot over a course of a year, you know, start off with, you know, 40, 50 bucks and see how it goes. Um, and that will get you a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just go from there. And so I want to build on what you're talking about, because one of the big blockers in a lot of people's minds is like, oh my gosh, investing, I'm going to lose money. I see the numbers going down, the market's going to crash and it's going to be all for naught. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about what the benefits are of investing versus just saving your money in a bank account? Yeah. Yeah. You can always save your money in a bank account. You can always do what I did when I was younger and put it under the mattress, but um, the, the, the issue that comes along with that, you know, the, you know, you have inflation, right? So if you put money under a mattress, money becomes more and more expensive, expensive over the years. So your money won't be worth as much into the future. Um, so that's why investing is, is important. So your money grows along with how the economy is growing the dollar, right? So like a dollar back in 2000, or I'm sorry, a dollar back in, 1970 isn't the same dollar today. Um, it's, you know, much more expensive. Um, so that's, that's one benefit of, of investing is that it tends to grow with inflation. Um, that's number one. Number two, you know, I, I always say, Hey, like you should have money in your bank account. Maybe your emergency fund can be in your bank account or under your mattress or keep it in dollars, whatever it might be. Um, but you definitely want to invest and, and take advantage of the market. And here's the thing, like you don't have to be in the most risky investment. You know, when people say, hey, like I put all my money in Tesla, I'm like, that's the riskiest thing that you could ever possibly do. <laughs> or Bitcoin or crypto or um, what are the other? Forex. Uh, <laughs> Forex, right? Like that's literally, if you talk to Warren Buffett and you were to ask him, how risky are you? He'd say, you know, four X is that's too sweet for what I'm looking for. Right. Mm. Even he's not that risky of an investor. He's well diversified in a lot of different sectors. And I feel like I'm getting really technical, but you know, he, he, he isn't that risky. He doesn't believe in crypto. He doesn't believe in Bitcoin specifically or Forex or any of that because it's way too risky. He much rather ride a, um, you know, an, an index or 
you know, invested to the S&P 500, which is a, um, which is a, a specific index um, because he doesn't want to have that volatility. He doesn't want, you know, his money to go up and go down over a course of a couple of days. Um, I so, would say uh, he knows what he's doing. So, and he really <laughs> knows what he's doing and he keeps it simple. He right. keep, and one of his pr- principles is that he won't invest into a company or a product that he doesn't understand, right? So, and he is he thinks very simply, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people connect with him is because he's not talking in the air about these financial algorithms. Like he's like, stay the course, <laughs> invest long term, invest in the things that you really understand, and then like again with long term don't sell out right don't be a market timer um so that that's his philosophy um and it has worked for him over <laughs> over the years of course um yeah yeah definitely um but here's the thing you know as you mentioned hey like you could lose money you could definitely lose money in investing right but you don't lose money until you sell out right money could you know the stock market could crash and come back right if you invested in 2007 the market crash happened in 2008 2009 if you never sold out and now it's 2020 you wouldn't have lost anything right like a complete crash happened right if you ignored your portfolio or you just went in a time machine into 2020 you wouldn't even notice it happened you would realize that there's a dip in in a graph that you had online, but other than that, you didn't lose anything. But if you would have sold out at the bottom or anywhere, you know, going down towards the the end of the um, of the market cycle, you would have lost money. So that's that's one thing I want to make clear is that you won't lose money until you sell out. Um, and on the on top of that, you don't gain money until you sell out as well. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. Um, so yeah, but just remember that, you know, make sure you understand. And, you know, I think Vanguard Fidelity and all the apps, they do a, a good job of this, maybe not as much Robinhood. Uh, I think they just want you to bring money in period, but you need to understand how much risk you're willing to take on. If you're not comfortable losing 50% of your total portfolio and the money that you have invested over a course of a day, you shouldn't be in anything that's highly risky. Highly risky being, you know, individual stocks like Tesla. Um, you should be in something a little bit more diversified. And what I mean by diversified is that, you know, you have stocks, you have bonds, um, you have ETFs, um, and you have them in different sectors. Uh, so not only in, in tech, which I think is really popular now, the Googles, the Apples, um, what they call FANG stocks, um, mm-hmm. the, the Facebooks, the Netflix, whatever it might be. Um, you want to look also at automobiles. Like, are you in um, you know, some of the automobile companies? Are you in the airline industry? Are you in consumer goods? Do you have Procter Gamble? Do you have J&J? Because that way, if J&J has some massive fraud incident, Right, like you're diversified in technology that, you know, the if that company completely goes down, you're not going to lose all your money. Or if Elon Musk says something about Tesla, and like he's always saying, and the market and the market doesn't like that, and the stock tanks, you can always say, well, I have money in JetBlue, right? So you want to make sure that it's diversified in that way across industries, across companies. Um, and frankly, not only domestic, you want to think international as well um, in order to keep you from losing money. There's a lot of great international companies out there. Um, so for people who are millennials, what percentage of stocks versus bonds should they typically be looking at from an asset allocation standpoint? Because I feel like the numbers change depending on who you talk to. Yeah, and, and it should, right? So no no one investor is the same. Every investor is different. The way I react to the market is different from how you might react to the market. So I'm, I so I always you know tell my friends like I I'm not an aggressive investor. I know a lot about investing, 
but I shy away from anything above like, you know, 80% stocks. I just, mm-hmm. I'm not strong enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm comfortable saying that, you know, I know some people are just, I'm 100% stocks. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, you know, you could be, if you're a millennial, you have a lot of time on your hands and it depends on your goals as well. So if your goal is to just grow your money over the course of 10 years, you might want to be a little bit more conservative versus if you're trying to grow your retirement fund for the next 40 years, you're, you're not going to take the money out until 40 years from now. So right there is just, you know, your specific goals is what you want to look at. How much time do you have in what they call in the finance world is being time horizon. Um, you want to understand your risk tolerance. Um, you know, I mentioned if the market drops 50% and your portfolio drops 50%, would you be comfortable with that? Um, or are you like me, or are you a, a wuss and you, you, you don't want to have that much in stocks, right? Um, so it's something else to think about. Um, and as you think about those different, um, those different measures and those different filters, you'll land on a certain investment. Um, and then you ride that out for, you know, as long as you really want to. Um, so I, it's, it's really hard to say, Hey, like you millennial, this is what you should be in. Cause it really depends on different factors that, you know, is, um, that really have to do with how they look at money, you know, how mm-hmm. um, tolerant uh, they are of risk and how, how much time do they have on their hands? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so a lot of the brokerage firms, if not all of them have risk tolerance calculators on yep. their websites. Yep. So you can go and check out literally, it's like a personality quiz. Yeah. And they will literally tell you like how risky you are personality wise and what that looks like from an investment portfolio standpoint. So that's a good place to start if you're just not even sure what risk level you're comfortable with. Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah. Risk uh, tolerance questionnaires or risk tolerance uh, calculators will help you help guide you to a a certain investment that fits what you're um, potentially looking for. Yeah. And I think I always go by the rule of thumb that any money that you need in the next like three to five years probably shouldn't be in the market because when, especially when you're thinking about like long-term investing and just if you understand the historic performance of the stock market in general, like there's a lot of variance in a one to five year time span. So Mm -hmm. it's not really a place to just put money that you're going to need to take out right away. But if you've got long-term goals, like five, 10, 20, 40 years out, that's definitely the place where you're going to get the better bang for your buck versus letting it sit in the bank account. Exactly. Yeah, you're spot on. You know, I, I hear all the time, you know, even from my friends, hey, Mark, where can I put my money in order to triple it over the course of a year? And I tell them you sell drugs. <laughs> like that's the only <laughs> way you can go about doing it <laughs> if you sell drugs. And we're not going to do that because I have higher aspirations for you. So you just hold on to your money and then just try to control what you can control. And that's, you know, work longer hours, whatever it might be in order to generate that money. But you're not going to get that in the stock market. Absolutely not. And anybody who's trying to tell you that you are is running a Ponzi scheme. They so are. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's almost nearly impossible. And even if you do risk th- that amount, you can also uh, I should let me take a step back. Even if you are able to achieve that, you can still lose that over a course of a day, right? So if you want, if you, if you want to chase something that's yielding 20% over a course of a year, you better, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but dang well, yes, you, can. <laughs> you better know damn well that you could also lose 20% of that money in that same time frame and even quicker, right? So that's why it's so risky is because there's swings up and swings down. Like Bitcoin is a perfect example. You can, you know, in Bitcoin, you can make, you know, you can put $10,000 in. Yeah, you can make, you know, three, $4,000 if Bitcoin does really well over a course of a couple of days, but you can also lose that amount. And if you're not comfortable losing that amount, then you shouldn't be comfortable making that amount. If that makes any sense. Um, so you, that, those are the, the swings I'm talking about. And that's why like I'm middle of the road because I'm very comfortable losing 6% 
and I'm very comfortable gaining 6%. And that's like my sweet spot. But as soon as you say you can lose 10% of your money, that's, that's a problem for me. <laughs> like that, that like I'm, I'm knocking on someone's door and I'm like, what's good? Like you stole all my money. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we have a problem. <laughs> that's where <Yeah>. I'm from. <laughs> it's just like someone stole your money. And it's right. like someone just like coming to your, to, to your house and like spitting on it. It's just, it's a problem. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you got to know that about yourself. That's yeah, important. <laughs> you have to be comfortable. And you have to be comfortable in your own shoes. Like as I mentioned, you know, I have people in my own industry that you know make fun and say, "Oh, like you don't want to take on more risk. Like you don't want to go in this triple levered ETF that is this and a third, and it costs you this much money." I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like I'm I'm straight. First of all, I don't understand what the hell that is. Uh, second of all, like it's expensive. And third of all, I'm not comfortable with the volatility. I don't want to, there's other things I need to focus on. I don't have time to be looking at market watch or Bloomberg every single morning to just make sure I'm not losing money. Like that's, I, I'm good. <laughs> like there's other things I much rather be focused on. <laughs> I love that. All right. So last question before we wrap up. So I asked this question to everyone because I really do believe that money and your mind are intricately connected because I mean, every decision you make affects what your external looks like. So what is your money mantra? Yeah, I have a lot or many. Um, I would say that the big one for me um, is it's not how much money you make is how much you save. And it's, it's tried and true. Like, I think a good example is, you know, I have a, my friend's parents, um, you know, they. Re- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Recently retired. And the reason why they were able to retire around right time is because they didn't really spend that much. Um, you know, they might go on, you know, a vacation here and there, but other than that, they drive, um, you know, cars are, are 10, 15 years old. Um, you know, their house is, you know, they, they had it, you know, redone not too long ago. But, you know, if you look at it, you just think it's a, you know, middle income, low middle income house. Um, you know, they didn't spend money on boats or, or anything of that nature. Um, but then at the same time, they didn't really make too much money. Um, you know, they, mm-hmm. they both came from humble beginnings and, um, and they didn't make that much. And they also didn't spend that much. Along the same vein, there are a lot of people out there that make 200, 300. I know people that make 200, 300, 400,000 dollars a year, and they spend all of it because of lifestyle creep, um, which is a concept that I love to talk about because everyone does do it. Like the, everyone does it from the, the athletes to the actors to what have you. They spend all their money. I think um, someone, mentioned you know during um the lock or not the lockdown but the quarantine for the nba when they kind of paused it for a little bit that a lot of the guys in the nba they live paycheck to paycheck and they make millions of dollars you know why because they have these gold chains they have all this stuff that they can't then go and, and sell and make the same amount of money um they have these cars the houses they have mortgages and they have uh taxes that they have to pay um so when they leave the league, what happens? They go broke because they don't have any other income stream. And they haven't saved anything. So, you know, it's not about how much money you have. It's about how much money you keep at the end of the day. And I'd much rather make $80,000 and save, you know, $70,000 of it than to be making $300,000 and be spending the vast majority of it. Um, so it's just something to, to keep in mind. I think everyone wants to chase, hey, like we need to make six figures or we need to make more than that. And, you know, more money, more problems is definitely a, a thing. You have more taxes, you know, like Uncle Sam loves you more when you make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you just, you just have to keep that in mind that there's other things you can control 
you know, you can give yourself 10%, uh, a 10% promotion or a 10% bonus simply by making small changes in your life. And you don't have to beg the man, quote unquote, in order to give you a promotion. Uh, you can give a promotion to yourself by making those tweaks. Absolutely. You cannot out-earn bad spending habits. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I think many of us have. I, I definitely fell victim to the lifestyle creep. I was like, yeah, once I make six figures, I'm going to have all this money. And I just had more money to spend and more credit card debt. Yes. And it was just an endless cycle until I had a come to Jesus moment. And it's like, oh, okay. So it doesn't really matter how much money I make because I'm just being reckless as hell with it. Exactly. No, <laughs> it's spot on. And I, I think we all kind of fall victim to wanting to impress friends and whoever else and try to be a status symbol. And I would say I, I, I have way more, people have way more respect for me because they know that I'm saving my money and I'm investing and my, my portfolio looks really good versus the fact that like, I'm, you know, not wearing Jordans, like, for example, like my, my shoes are modest. Like I, I don't, I don't like I'll wear a pair of Nike freeze versus like wearing a pair of Jordans. Um, and I wear them purely for comfort. I don't wear them <laughs> to show them off. Um, That's the real flex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like my my feet feel good. Like I don't want to wear clunky Jordans, but that that's just me. Yeah. Shout out to I all my that. New York folks. <laughs> like they probably hate me right now. Like, what's good, B? What's good? Yeah. I, <laughs> I love it. All right. So, Mark, this has been an amazing conversation. I love all of the information you're sharing both here on the podcast and on your platform. So for anybody who wants to find out more about you and follow your journey, where can they find you? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to Better Wallet. Um, I post a, a lot about just finance and my journey. And my goal is to help motivate you to pay off debt and to build um, generational wealth. So shoot me a message anytime and we can chat. Thank you so, so much. This has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Looking forward to the next time. Thank you. Mi gente, I hope you were really inspired by this episode. There was a really specific reason why I saved this one for our season finale. And a lot of it just really has to do with reflecting on the year that is 2020. When I think of Mark's story, it's a story of overcoming so many barriers, so many roadblocks, so many reasons why he should not be where he is. And despite all of those challenges, he still not only survived, but thrived. I hope that that allows you to reflect on the things that you have been able to accomplish, even in this most difficult year. When it comes to adversity, we have a couple of options. We can allow it to get us down, to control us, or we can take steps to control how we respond to what comes our way. The second option is the one that helps us rise above it, right? But I will be the first to admit that exercising this option is sometimes harder than it should be. So learning how to move forward and getting past these tough times is something that you have to learn how to do. Resilience is not a skill that just comes out of nowhere. It is the direct result of overcoming challenges and knowing that you have the confidence and the fortitude and the strength to get past anything that comes your way. So I hope that this episode has you feeling inspired. It has you feeling like you can also overcome any challenges that you're facing today, tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds, but if you believe that you can overcome anything, I think that's the first step to success. So thank you so much, guys, for being a part of this amazing community. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait until season three, y'all. We're going to be premiering in January. It's going to be even more amazing, even more inspiring, and even more poderosa. So on that note, stay poderosa, y'all. I'll see you next year.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.